project imagined and realized by Iowa City resident Kristen Noonan. That's me. Hey, I locate my selections on the World Wide Web, and you can too. It's all free. So thank you kindly to the University of Northern Iowa's Rob Library, who have assembled a comprehensive Iowa historical newspaper index on their website. Digitization efforts for the newspapers have been completed by outside organizations. Libraries rule. It's another day and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to December 31st on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Our first stop on this day in history will be in Villisca, Iowa, in the Villisca Review newspaper on December 31st, 1902. I'm your host, Kristen Noonan. It's a pleasure to be your guide today. Let's roll. Local Matters. W.O. Van Camp and son, Willie, were in Creston Friday, where an operation was performed on Willie's eyes he stood the operation manfully and is doing nicely. R.W. McCown and wife of Westburg, Washington, and J.E. Rogers and wife of Lincoln left for their respective homes Sunday after visiting relatives here for the past week. Following is a list of letters remaining in the post office at Villisca. H.L. Huffman, W.B. Mitchell, Walter H. Peters, Frank Phillips, R.D. Taylor, Amal Sanquist, Mrs. Layton, Miles Mullen and family, and Miss Lessie Mullen of Elliott, Lorraine Mullen and family of Grant, Guy Reynolds and wife of Morton's Mill, were guests of Dan Mullen and family last week. Found. Two yearling steer calves, one with star and other with stripe on forehead, Owner can have them by calling on Herman Roberts, two and a half miles northwest of Sciola, and paying damages. L.A. Marr and wife of Niles, Michigan, who have been visiting the former sister, Mrs. J. Hefty, left Monday for a visit with relatives at Sydney before returning to their home. All members of the AOUW order and their wives are cordially invited to attend the banquet to be given Wednesday, January 7th. Meet at AOUW Hall at 7 o'clock p.m. sharp. J.L. Bryan and wife have been visiting the latter's parents, Mr. and Mrs. J.B. Rose. They are moving from Fairfax, Missouri to Brush, Colorado and Mr. Bryan left Tuesday for his new home, his wife remaining here for an extended visit. F.P. Taylor is putting up ice this week and it is of very fine quality. He expects to put up several tons more this year than ever before to supply his increasing trade. Mr. Taylor will be prepared to supply the farmers about the middle of next week. Reverend M.G.E. Bennett, wife and little girl, were in town Tuesday evening visiting friends. They left Wednesday morning for Turk E., 
where Mr. Bennett has accepted the pastorate of the Christian Church. He was formerly pastor of the Christian Church at this place. R.W. McManama has received from Michigan a grand line bred huff cock in cockerel of elegant shape, color, head points, and extra heavy feathering, scoring well up into the 90s. This bird is a grandson of the first prize hen of Chicago in 1899, which sold for $100. A reunion of the Presbyterian congregation will be held at the church on Friday of this week. All the families and adherents of the congregation are requested to bring their baskets for a picnic dinner in the dining room of the church and the businessmen of the city to meet their families for dinner at the church and spend a while in visiting. At this time, pennies given out by the pastor in May last are to be returned with the amount gained by trading with them and rewards given to those bringing in the three largest sums. Come for a social day. A new steam plant costing in the neighborhood of $700 has been placed in the round house. The steam was turned on Saturday and the employees are appreciating the even temperature these cold days. When the weather sufficiently moderates so the work can be done, the depot, baggage room, telegraph office, and roadmaster's headquarters will also be heated by steam. They have a regular locomotive boiler to generate the steam. It is engine number 1245, which has made many a run on the West Iowa Division line and is now ending its useful career in serving as a stationary engine. A few friends and relatives took possession of the home of Mr. and Mrs. A.P. Hull, living about eight miles southwest of Villisca last Wednesday, it being the 25th anniversary of their marriage. The event was a complete surprise, but Mr. and Mrs. Hull know all about it now, and they will long remember it. They were presented with an elegant silver tea set, set of silver teaspoons, and a silver sugar shell to remind them of the time so much enjoyed by all. Those present were John Freed and wife, Gus Engstrom and wife, Mrs. Henry Swanson, August Swanson and wife, W.P. Swanson and daughters Anna and Hilda, Oscar Swanson, Alex Swanson, Alfred Johnson and daughters Nellie and Helen, Gus Johnson and wife, C.J. Shantz and wife, and A. Strom. If some of the good people around town who think they have the best behaved children on earth could see some of the actions of these so-called young men and women on the streets, they would be horror-stricken. And still these same parents won't think that this item could possibly apply to their boys and girls because they are sure that their children are perfect ladies and gentlemen. But the parents should care enough for the welfare of their children to investigate for themselves how and where their young people are spending their evenings and other leisure hours. There are some young folks in town, we are proud to say, who really are young ladies and gentlemen, well behaved whether at home or outside, and there might be more of them if parents would only remember what temptations came to them when they were young folks and realize that those temptations still exist for their children. It would have the effect of putting a few additional safeguards around the young folks. 
The Lecture at the Opera House Tuesday Evening by Lorado Taff, the Sculptor, was both entertaining and instructive. The small blaze on the south side of the square furnished excitement in this, the city this forenoon. On the upper floor of the Weber building, occupied by Holmes and Son and Paul Welch, a stove was put up Tuesday and shortly after, a fire was built in it this morning. The roof caught a fire around the pipe. The damage is estimated at $50 or more. Nellie and Mabel McMullen gave a neat little party Friday evening in honor of their brother, Loy of Kansas City, who is home on a brief vacation. Eighteen guests were present, and the evening was delightfully spent in playing numerous games, among which was a guessing contest in which Letha Garrison won first prize. Light refreshments were served. Our next stop is in Essex, Iowa. In the Essex Independent newspaper on December 31, 1915, Tony Young Nuptials. Wednesday morning, Mr. Lage Tony and Miss Fern Young slipped away from their friends and went to Red Oak, where they were quietly married. They returned here on the afternoon train and Thursday morning left on a wedding trip in southern Missouri and Arkansas. They are as yet undecided just where they will make their home. The bride is the oldest daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Z. M. Young and a young lady who has many friends. The groom is an enterprising farmer who has been living near Shenandoah for the past five years. The Independent extends hearty congratulations to this happy couple, and we hope that they will conclude to make Essex their home. A Modern Tailing Tailoring Establishment. During the week, Mr. Gust Carlson has been moving into his new place of business. A few weeks ago, he purchased the narrow store building on the north side of Main Street, next door to the Frederick Newquist Drug Store, for so many years occupied as a jewelry store, and the same has been remodeled to suit his ideas and convenience. A room has been added at the north end of the main building, and this is equipped with the latest and most modern machinery for cleaning clothes and a drying room has also been supplied so that no matter what the condition of the weather, clothes can be cleaned and dried just the same. The heat for this room is furnished by a small furnace. The front rooms have been nicely painted and papered and the floor covered with linoleum and certainly present a fine appearance. Another skylight has been added to furnish plenty of light, and when Mr. Carlson gets everything moved over and placed where he wants it, he will have one of the most convenient and up-to-date places of business in this part of the state. In connection with all this, Mr. Carlson has the reputation of being one of the very best tailors in this part of Iowa, and he has, since he came to Essex, built up a splendid patronage and with all this new equipment and fine new building he will be better enabled to take care of the wants of his patrons we are glad to see mr carlson meeting with such success and congratulate him on his progressive spirit in providing this splendid place of business 
notice to settle. To all those who are indebted to us, we respectfully ask you to call and settle during the next few days or as soon as possible, as we are in need of the money to meet our obligations. Yours very truly, M.O. Wagner and Son. Goose Dinner A fine goose dinner will be served at the Commercial Hotel on New Year's Day. You can come to the hotel for your New Year's dinner knowing that it will be a real dinner. In presenting a royal slave, the Essex Opera Company are offering one of the finest attractions in the Midwest at the present time. This troupe has been touring Illinois and Iowa during the past few months and their recommendations are gilt-edged. See them at the Opera House Friday, December 31st. C.H. Pendleton has horse stolen. Sometime during last Thursday night, a valuable young horse was stolen from the pasture of C.H. Pendleton on his farm northwest of Essex, and up to this time he has been unable to get any trace or clue to it. He is almost certain that the horse was stolen, for he has made a thorough investigation of the fences and finds them all in first-class shape. Bells to ring at noon on New Year's Day. The request has come through the WCTU that on New Year's Day at 12 o'clock noon, all school and church bells are to be rung to celebrate the state going dry. Those closely connected with this will please take notice. Our next stop is in Silver City, Iowa, in the Silver City Times newspaper on December 31st, 1925. 11 cars stock to market Saturday and Monday. 10 cars of fat cattle and one of hogs went out over the Wabash from this station Saturday and Monday. The cattle all went to Chicago and the car of hogs to St. Louis. The shippers, L.G. McCoy, two of cattle, Jasper Burgoyne, three of cattle, Ward Burgoyne, two of cattle, Burgoyne and Whitehead, three of cattle, Leo Hop, one of hogs. Seed Committee complete its report. The Farm Bureau Seed Committee have, been, have the report of their plans ready to submit. After carefully investigating the various sources of seed and methods of distribution, the following plans were decided upon. Only Sweet Clover and Alfalfa, Grim Dakota Number no. 12, and Nebraska Common will be handled in the way of grass seeds. Red Clover was not included due to the fact that it is very high in price and there will probably be little demand for it. The price may be lower later in the spring. Both seed and feeding oats will be ordered. The seed oats will include the earlier varieties only, such as Kerson, Arwai, Iowa 103, and Iowa 105. It will not be possible to get a carload of each variety at the various shipping points, but an EORT will be made to get one card of carload of one of these varieties into each community in the county. 
The grass seed will be distributed from the Kilmartin Seed House at Malvern, but purchasers will be expected to take oats direct from the car at their local shipping point. The cost of the seeds has been estimated. Changes will have to be made to meet any violent change in the market, especially oats. Approximately the prices will be as follows. Sweet Clover, $6.30. Grim Alfalfa, $25.95. Dakota Number 12, $15.40. Nebraska Common, $12.10. Seed Oats, $0.50. Feeding Oats, $0.45. The committee could purchase seed at much lower prices, but considered nothing but the best, and so far as they have been able to determine, is free from all noxious weed seed. The sweet clover seed is 99.9 pure and has a germination of 90. An effort has been made by the committee to cut down as much overhead expense as possible, and this means no book accounts. No orders will be considered unless accompanied by a payment amounting to 10 cents per bushel on oats, $1 on sweet clover, and $3 on alfalfa and all seeds must be settled for in full at time of delivery. Orders will be taken through the township officers and their cooperators, but in case anyone is missed, their order may be left at the Farm Bureau office. We trust the time and effort so generously given by the seed committee will be appreciated, as they have been most faithful in the performance of their duties. Cats have positive likes and dislikes. Few persons really know their cats. Yet cats can talk, though it is a dumb language. Give your cat for dinner something she doesn't like and watch her sniff it, shake her right paw, and walk away in disgust. If she be really hungry and no other food offers, she will return to the disliked dish, making a queer cackling hiss as she eats it and saying, must have it if there's nothing else in the larder. Watch her smile at you when she is pleased. She does this by closing her eyes very slowly and opening them again. A cat will smile like this every time when spoken to by someone she loves, says the Springfield Republican. When in absolute ecstasy, she will paw the air with outstretched claws in making a new friend, she will arch her back and hold up a trembling tail, saying, I know you like me. If there be a savory smell, she will walk round and round your legs, rubbing them hard and asking you to hurry with dinner. It is wonderful how domesticated the cat has begun, yet we have only to see her knead her bed before settling to realize that the wild animal strain persists in her. For her, unnecess- for her ancestors turned round and round and round and needed their beds to soften the forest growths. Our next stop is in Walnut, Iowa, in the Walnut Bureau newspaper on December 31st, 1942. 32 give one half pint of blood free at clinic Tuesday more registrations than could be accepted at clinic. C. 
16 pints of blood were donated by Walnut citizens at the Free Blood Clinic held here last Tuesday and sent to the Iowa State Department of Health at Des Moines for reserve in case of emergencies, civilian war need. The clinic was in charge of Mrs. W. L. Reek, member of the County Health Council, who was assisted by the Junior Federated Club. 32 people gave a half pint of blood each, and while 20 more had volunteered, only the first mentioned number could be accepted at this time. The affair was pronounced highly successful, and those in charge wished to thank those who participated or showed their willingness for the fine cooperation in making the clinic a success. Technicians Margaret Devine Goodnow and Esther I. Carlson of the Health Department, Des Moines, and Mrs. Maud White, County Health Nurse of Council Bluffs, were in charge of the blood taking from 9 to 12 Tuesday morning at the amusement hall. And from here they went to Oakland, where a similar blood clinic was held in the afternoon. They were also highly pleased with the manner in which the public responded, as well as the cooperation they received from the sponsors of the clinic here. Hot coffee and cookies were served to those who participated by the Junior Federated Club. There were no measles, diphtheria, or smallpox donors available. After the blood of each individual is tested at the Des Moines at Des Moines, certificates will be sent to Mrs. Reek, who will notify each person and distribute them in the near future. The following were blood donors. Mrs. Harry League, Vera Welsh, Mrs. Beth Burlingham, Pauline Wagner, Harold Nissen, Harry McDermott, Henry Lunch, Mrs. Ray Palmer, Mrs. Peter Pratt, Peter Pratt, William League Jr., Jerry League, Cletus Fresner, Del Jacobson, Irma Thrain, Mary Walter, Dorothy Walter, Roy Fell, Walter Colsheen, Dick Sievers, Lester Croft, Mrs. Carl Oldehoff, Evelyn Oldehoff, Della Derby, Mrs. Laura Mueller, Laura Furry, Mrs. Paul Dennison, Mrs. Chester Mueller, Mrs. D. R. Donahoe, Mrs. W. L. Reek, Harry Walter, Meta Lynch, and Alma Lynch. Orville Beckendorf reported missing. Last letter, December 7th. Anxiety still prevails among members of the Beckendorf families and friends since a government report received on December 20th reported Orville Beckendorf, 28, as missing in action. No further details were given at that time, and still no further word has come since. Orville, a son of Ira Beckendorf, south of Walnut, has been with the U.S. Navy for nearly eight years, since January 15, 1935. Prior to the governmental government official notice, his family received a letter on November 28th which was written by Orville on December 7th and sent from the fighting area somewhere on the Pacific. Mr. Beckendorf is married. His wife lives in San Diego. He has a sister, Loreen, at home, one brother of Port Angeles, Washington, and Clifford Beckendorf, stationed at Camp Shelby, Mississippi. 
Ira Beckendorf has informed us today that Mrs. Orville Beckendorf has information from the government that the ship where Orville went out on was sunk and up to now, Orville is still missing. Welcome 1943. We have been waiting for you. Many things have been predicted during your reign on Earth. Although you are very young, great responsibilities are to be placed upon your shoulders at once. We hope and pray that you will come through with flying colors and that during your stay with us, peace will come to the world. We're counting on you, 1943. Some resolutions we should make and keep for the new year. To write cheerful letters and more of them to the boys in service and to add more boys to our list to write to. To take this new ration system in our stride and not heard one thing. This is an easy one if we care anything about winning this war. To read the news thoroughly and listen to it carefully. Too many of us do not do either and we just get and we just half get it and misunderstand all of it. To raise a big and better garden next year. The hoe has become an important war weapon. To be alert and watchful for those in distress. To spread cheer wherever we may be. To, to buy as many war bonds as possible. These resolutions, if kept, will help us all to a happy new year. Locals. Mr. and Mrs. A.W. Angel of Atlantic spent Christmas with Mr. and Mrs. W.S. Moore. Mr. and Mrs. H.J. Donahoe recently came to Walnut to visit his brother and wife, Mr. and Mrs. D.R. Donahoe. Mrs. Barbara Hole and son, Dean, Mrs. Tom Dyer and daughter, Barbara, were business visitors in Omaha Monday. Mr. and Mrs. Albert Sievers left for Los Angeles, California, Saturday. They will spend the winter months with their son, Roland Sievers. Shirley Banker spent the holidays with her parents, Reverend and Mrs. M.A. Banker, returning to Missouri Valley Sunday morning. Mr. and Mrs. Leonard Rossman of Perry visited over Christmas and the weekend with their relatives in the Walnut community. Mr. and Mrs. Ed Fisher and daughter, Norma Jean, were Christmas Eve guests at the Barney True home in Avoca. Mrs. Fisher and Mrs. True are sisters. Mr. and Mrs. Charles Sprague returned to Omaha Monday after spending Christmas and the weekend as guests in the home of Mrs. Barbara Hull. Mrs. Harry Mines of Council Bluffs spent Monday and Tuesday in Walnut. She visit, visited with friends and also attended the funeral of Nick Cock on Monday. Mr. and Mrs. Joe Hamilton, Mr. and Mrs. William Hamilton, Mrs. D. J. Morris and Eileen Hamilton, all of Omaha, spent Christmas Day at the J. H. Hamilton home. Notice, as we are going on a cash basis, please call and settle your notes and accounts before January 1st, 1943, and make arrangements for future credit when needed. Jacobson Brothers 
Miss Eloise Bigelow, RN at the Methodist Hospital in Des Moines, arrived in Walnut Christmas Eve and visited over the weekend with her sister, Mrs. Marjorie Williams, and her brother, Bob and Joe Bigelow. Dale Moritz left for Logan Monday to visit Mary Kay Owens. Mary Kay plans to return to Walnut the latter part of the week with Dale to visit here until the students resume their studies at Iowa University. Mr. and Mrs. Paul Myers of Omaha were Christmas Day guests at the home of her mother, Mrs. Rowe, in Atlantic. They came to Walnut Saturday where they visited friends and relatives before returning home Sunday. Guests for the holidays at the home of Mr. and Mrs. George Turk were their cousin, Miss Minnie B. Ruff, instructor at Thomas Jefferson High School in Council Bluffs, and Mrs. Turk's mother, Mrs. Bertha Turk of Shelby. Delbert Lynn, who was shot through the thigh when his gun accidentally discharged while hunting rabbits Thanksgiving Day, is able to get around again. He has been laid up all this while, but the wound is mending nicely now. E.W. Drake and son Wallace had lambs on the Omaha market last week. E.W. sold 266 head and received $15.25. They averaged 88 pounds. Wallace received the same price for his 139 head with an average of 91 pounds. It was the top market for the day. Dr. and Mrs. M. Moore had as guests over Christmas their son-in-law and daughter, Lieutenant and Mrs. William Goodyear. Lieutenant Goodyear has just finished officer training school at Camp Monmouth, New Jersey, and is being sent to Lexington, Kentucky. He and Mrs. Goodyear left for Kentucky Sunday. Bob and Dick Schaff arrived in Walnut Christmas Eve and visited until Sunday with their grandfather, Hans Tyson and the Raymond McDermott family, and at the Dale Allen home in Navoca. They are in defense work at Kearney, Nebraska, and returned there Sunday afternoon. Reverend and Mrs. M.A. Banker departed via the Burlington from Red Oak for Burlington, Iowa, to officiate at the wedding of their granddaughter, Miss Arnelda Ritchie, to Richard Peterson, who is an officer in the Army. They expect to return on Saturday in time for the Sunday church services. Will Thompson of Grand Island, Nebraska, came last Friday to spend Christmas at the home of his brother and father, John and Asmus Thompson, west of town. Will is well known here, being an old resident of this community. For the past 15 years, he has been with the U Pacific Railroad. Mrs. Ethel Jones left for Cedar Rapids Sunday to visit her sister and husband, Mr. and Mrs. Stanley Freeman. Mr. and Mrs. Freeman will accompany Mrs. Jones home. Mrs. Freeman plans to make her home here with her mother, Mrs. J.W. Forbes, as her husband is planning on entertaining the service soon. Mr. and Mrs. Hugo Peterson went to Manning on the afternoon of Christmas Day to visit her mother, Miss Gertrude Eckley. Mrs. Robert Lyle of Omaha, who was visiting her mother in Manning, returned with her sister and brother-in-law to Walnut 
where she remained until Sunday, returning then to her home in Omaha. Mr. and Mrs. Clarence Peterson arrived home from Fort Barancas, Barancas, Florida, and spent Christmas with his parents, Mr. and Mrs. Hans Peterson. Clarence is a traveling mechanic with the U.S. Army. He left Monday for Fort Crook, Nebraska, where he will be assigned to some other location. Mrs. Peterson will accompany him. Mrs. Martha Hoover and granddaughter Eleanor are spending the winter months with Ms. Mrs. Hoover's son-in-law and daughter, Mr. and Mrs. Vernon S. Brewster at Norfolk, Virginia. Mrs. Brewster is a former Violet Hoover. She was married October 22nd. Mr. Brewster is in the Navy, serving as the Chief Ordnance Man and stationed at Norfolk. Private Arlo Johnston left Thursday evening for Fort Knox, Kentucky, after enjoying a two-day visit with his father, Bert Johnston, and with his sister, Mrs. E.E. E. Jensen. Notice, as we are going on a cash basis, please call and settle your notes and accounts before January 1st, 1943, and make arrangements for future credit when needed. Jacobson Brothers Mr. and Mrs. Holger Portsburg of Omaha, Nebraska, visited over Christmas with friends here in Walnut. The Nels Hansen and Anton Mikkelsen families. The Portsburgs are former residents of this community and neighbors of Nels Hansen when they occupied a farm. They are engaged in the restaurant business in Omaha now. Will Launch Lard Campaign a campaign for the gathering of all fats and grease is being conducted by the Girl Reserves. Many of you have been contacted about this during the past week, and others will be informed in the near future. We have been constantly reminded how important these materials are to save, but so far there has been too little response. Because, this, th because of this, the Girl Reserves are launching this campaign and making it easy for you to do your part. Strain the fats and grease you have and pour into a tin can. Please do not use a glass container because it causes difficulty in melting it. Keep in a cool place to prevent its becoming rancid. During the first week of every month, you will be contacted by some Girl Reserve member who will be gathering the fats and grease. We are asking the cooperation of every person in the community in this campaign in order that we can have success in this war program. Old lard and grease is as vitally important as scrap metal and a successful metal campaign was launched several months ago. The scrap being used to manufacture the much needed war materials and now again we seek to divert this scrap lard to help win this war. Classified ads. Notice, as we are going on a cash basis, please call and settle your notes and accounts before January 1st, 1943, and make arrangements for future credit when needed. Jacobson Brothers. For sale, Polex Lane, Harvey Jensen, Walnut. Debts collected. We will either collect your notes, judgments, judgments, mortgages, or accounts, or no charge. Anywhere, 35 years experienced, best of references, write us, R. Steve Valentine Co., Marshalltown, Iowa. 
wanted male hog. Duroc, spotted Poland, Hampshire or Black Poland, Cecil Stewart. For sale, new 22 single shot rifle. Shot less than 100 shells, Cletus Fresner, phone 2523. Our next stop is in Diagonal, Iowa, in the Diagonal Reporter newspaper on December 31st, 1953. Understanding Iowa Children, Afton Smith, Assistant Professor, State University of Iowa, Child Welfare Research Station. Punishment may not stop the fighting. We might suppose that punishment for fighting will stop the fighting of a small child. This is usually the parent's reason for applying the punishment. The young child naturally grabs a handful of hair and holds on if he wants what the other child has. At first he knows no other way to meet the situation, and punishment does not teach him a better way. In a group of preschool children studied by Dr. Vincent Nowlis, the opposite effect was more often found. Those children who were punished for aggression at home continued to be the scrappy ones in the playground. Unless a child is more timid than the average, he tends to treat others as he is treated. Treat him rough at home, he treats others rough at play. Showing him how to take turns, for instance, will teach him a better way to get along. This requires patient explanations not once but many times, for the little child forgets. Show him how to ask instead of grab for what he wants. Show him many times. Show him how to take the other child's hand and lead him in a friendly fashion instead of dragging him by the hair. These ways of approaching others seem so simple to us. They are not at all simple to the child who is a beginner in the ways of the world. If a child that is an extremely persistent fighter, we had better check on our methods of handling him. A specialist might help us to improve our methods. But if we had punished and punished and the child still fights, we should be able to see that punishment is useless. Rare Disease Little Rosalie Luloff, three-year-old dress-up girl, has a very rare disease juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Her case is the third one ever treated at the University Hospital in Iowa City. Fall. Little Kirk Matthews of near Thornton got the holiday season off to a grim start. The three-year-old youngster climbed a ladder, fell and landed in a manger on his stomach a few days before Christmas. He was hospitalized. That's it for December 31st on Iowa's Newsworthy Past. Thanks for tuning in.